When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's why it's going to be pound for pound the best sports radio show there is. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Mr. Canty, what is up? Have you recovered from your pants-splitting debacle? I have bounced back, big fella. I put the pants to bed and turned the suit into a sport coat. So that's how I'm living from now on with that. But uh, all, all is well, man. I'm listening. I'm fired up. It's like we're back for the first time because although we've done shows in the past, this is the official rollout for Kenny and Carlin. C4, explosive takes on deck. Let's go. We're going to have a blast. We can't wait to talk to you on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You can hit us up on Twitter as well, at Chris Carlin or at Chris Canty 99 And we begin today with the debacle that is the Brooklyn Nets right now. It is mm. time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. They are on the verge of getting swept. The best player in the game and another top five to ten player are on the verge of just being completely embarrassed in the first round by the Boston Celtics. And, Chris, I I can't put it any other way. From what I saw the other day, that was a Brooklyn team that looked like they just tapped out. Kevin Durant couldn't find his way out of this funk that he's been in. I think a lot of it is Celtic-induced. But that looked like a team that was listless down the stretch in that game because every single time they tried to put together a run, the Boston Celtics were sitting and waiting with a haymaker. Well, here's the thing, Carlin. Everything is so hard for the Brooklyn Nets on the offensive end just because of how good Ime Adoka's defensive schemes are. And he's got a lot of guys that are up for the challenge, whether it's guarding KD or guarding Kyrie Irving. They found ways to frustrate both superstars to the point where both of them had 16 points in game four. And we know how pivotal, I mean, in game three, and we know how pivotal game three is in terms of the Nets being able to climb back into this series. You don't want to go down an 0-3 hole, but that's exactly where the Nets find themselves. And, Carlin, let's just say this, you don't want to be there. Of the 143 teams that have found themselves in an 0-3 hole in a best-of-seven series, zero zero in the history of the NBA have been able to come back and win that series. And 89 of those 143 teams ended up getting swept. So break out the brooms, baby, because that's where the Brooklyn Nets are headed right now. And it's because they don't have a way to find Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in their sweet spots, get those guys into a rhythm. And we know that this Brooklyn Nets team all season long has been atrocious on the defensive side of the court. And the Boston Celtics have found a way to exploit both. There, there's, there's so much wrong with what's going on with them that it's impossible to believe that just a couple of weeks ago we'd be sitting here and saying they were one of the two best teams in the East, and everybody felt like they would whoa, just be whoa, able to turn whoa, it on. Whoa. In the, in, well, ho, ho, were, big fella, ho, ho, ho. I, I don't know who everybody is, but mm. I wasn't one of those people saying they were one of the two best teams in the East. We felt I like didn't they, see that. We felt like when we had a show together, we felt like they could make a, a finals run. 
I said we couldn't dismiss them making a finals run because they have KD and Kyrie, but we also have to acknowledge right. that these guys hadn't played together for the majority of the season. Well, and the that's talent. the part, and that's the that's a part of the problem that I have with this Nets squad. For the last couple of years, this is a group of players because they had KD and Kyrie, and then they added James Harden in the middle of last year. They felt like they could flip a switch when we got to postseason basketball. They didn't do it last year. Got bounced in a seven-game series against the Bucs in the seventh round, and now they're on the verge of getting swept in the first round, and this is year three of KD and Kyrie in Brooklyn. So I don't know what they're thinking about in terms of how they spin it forward and get past this, but this is embarrassing for both Kyrie and KD, and I think a lot of it has to do with the mindset because it's not like the Brooklyn Nets have been getting blown out of these games, Carlin. In the three games in this series in the last five minutes, they've been five-point games. So it's not like Brooklyn is out of these games. Hell, in game two, they blew a 17-point lead. So it's, yeah, not like Brook, it's not like Brooklyn doesn't have the ability. It's just a matter of down the stretch in the critical moments, can you execute? And the team that's getting, been playing together longer has found a way to execute at a higher level than the team that hadn't. Big surprise. Well, this was from a talent standpoint I'm talking about. As far as one of the two best teams in the East, I think we would have all thought that was the case. And you're right. Everybody... Well, all right, not everybody, not you, but a lot of people <laughs> thought they would be able to flip the switch, and once the playoffs came around, they'd be just fine. And that's why it's impossible for me to sit here and listen to Kyrie Irving talk about the fact that the team is just starting to gel now, and for really good teams, that happens back in December. Really? And then he actually took some responsibility, not for not being there, but because he's not playing particularly well right now. Chris, there is a level of delusion in Brooklyn about this situation that has me ultimately concerned. This, Think about what the fallout is here, okay? First of all, you're going to lose the head coach. Steve Nash is getting fired because, honestly, what has he done? There, He's done nothing. But the bigger fallout to me is, is Kevin Durant going to be able to honestly look himself in the face and say, I have a chance to win a championship with this guy? Is this still going to be something that he can live with? Because his actions all along have spoken that he believes in Kyrie. But how long can you continue to get kicked in the pants before you realize this is not going to happen? Well, big fella, I hate to answer a question with a question, but I got to flip this back on you. If you're Kevin Durant and you decide that Kyrie is not the best option to be a running mate to help you win a championship, then what direction are you going to turn? You what, to, what are you going to do? You have to figure what are, your, what are your alternatives? That, that's the thing that I don't know about because, listen, you can't rely on Ben Simmons. The last time we saw no. Ben Simmons, he was actually healthy playing in a playoff game, then all of a sudden to miss a year because of mental health issues and now a back issue? I, I, I can't rely on that moving forward. I mean, at this point, what are you going to get for Kyrie Irving if you try to move him? The guy's already said he's not going to play for another team outside of the Brooklyn Nets. He'd rather so retire. So, so go ultimately, retire. if you're KD, <laughs> if you're KD, what are your options? I guess is my whole point. For the, I, for the foreseeable look, future, meaning the next two or three years while he's still in the middle of his prime, what are your options if it's not running it back with Kyrie Irving? That's, that's pretty, the question that's that I want to know. simple to me. It's the option that every player in this league really exercises, and that is if things are not going my way, I am going to force my way out and get traded. 
I'm going to do everything I can to get traded. And I could absolutely see that happening. He may go for it for another year because they're going to have to hand Kyrie that money. They don't really have a choice there. But fallout-wise, you have to start to question what's happening if you're KD and who I decided to hitch my wagon to. Because otherwise, you're not looking at it objectively if you're Durant. You're just not. Yeah, well, I think it's going to be hard for him to look at it objectively because he's got a friendship with Kyrie Irving. Remember, they decided that they were going to do this back when they were participating in USA Basketball. Like, there's a, a, a relationship there, and Kevin Durant, in a lot of ways, has tied his basketball future and his legacy to what Kyrie Irving is going to bring to the table. And, Carlin, I'll say this about what you just proposed with Kevin Durant trying to force his way out months after he signed a contract extension to tie him to Brooklyn for the next five years. If he does We've that. worse. If he do, no, but listen to me, Carlin. If he does that, he will be criticized more than when he decided to leave OKC and go to Golden State. Why? Because he left Golden State, which has proven to be a better basketball situation, to come to the Brooklyn Nets. He left Golden State because even though he won two NBA Finals, even though he got two NBA Finals MVPs, he wanted to start his own thing and get from out under the shadow of Steph Curry because the Chase Center was going to be the building that Steph Curry built and they would never put a statue of Kevin Durant out front. So he decided that was a good enough reason for him to leave and start his own thing in Brooklyn. The only way that he gets proven right is if he wins a championship. And if he pulls the, uh, the, the bungee cord, if he pushes the eject button on the experiment that has been the Brooklyn Nets over the past three years, if he does that, then all of a sudden that's an indictment on his sports character. There's, oh, no, coming back from, there's no coming back from that if you're Kevin Durant because you made a decision where we all acknowledge publicly this is not in the best interest of your basketball future. But you decided it was. You decided that this would do more to enhance your legacy And all of a sudden, you come out looking weaker and you come out looking worse. And when we start to look back on the history of Kevin Durant's career, this will be what people remember him for more so than the greatness that we've seen from him, especially on the offensive side of the court. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus presented by Progressive Insurance. And I don't think he cares. I I, I mean, I think he cares about getting Carlin, he cares if he didn't. Carlin, if he didn't care, he wouldn't be in Brooklyn. No, if he didn't care about all the noise, he would still be in Golden State. I don't think any player, I mean, it bothers them to get criticized, but it's not going to keep them from doing whatever they want at this point. And I don't expect that to happen now. I expect him to try to ride another year with Kyrie, but you and I both know you cannot in any way predict what Kyrie's going to do. Basketball is not the second most important thing in his life behind his family. It's not. There are too many other things going on there, and he has to have realized at some point that he's made a mistake, and now he's going to have to figure out, is there a way for me to fix that? It's Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. And then, Chris, on the flip side... There is the Boston Celtics, and we get to that in 30 seconds. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all of the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. With every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, every sideline grab, 
can be experienced live and with Vivid Seats Rewards. You can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today. Cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. I mean, the Celtics have done something I've never seen happen in Kevin Durant's career, and they've made him look human. Jason Tatum has ascended to superstar status, and it's not just offensively. They found a strategy that they're fully bought in on, and that's defensive. Chris, they're right there. The Boston Celtics have entered the chat. And specifically, Jason Tatum has entered that inner circle that we have talked so much about over the last few weeks. Jay Williams has spent time talking about it. His performance in this series in every single way has been absolutely fantastic. And he is now one of the top five players in the league. There's no question about it in my mind, Carlin. You're talking about a guy that's 24 years old that's already been to two Eastern Conference Finals, and he's already got a couple of all-NBA performances under his belt. This guy is a bona fide superstar, and I think it's coming out in this series. And, Carlin, the irony in all of this is it's not really what Jason Tatum is doing on the offensive end, even though he's been phenomenal. It's what he's doing on the defensive end and the coverages that he's had on Kevin Durant and how he's frustrated him with the physicality and being able to block his shots in one-on-one defense or when he's the primary defender. It it really is special to see him come into his own and and show that competitive fire because that's been a question about Jason Tatum. It's will he be able to develop that dog, that killer mentality? And we've seen it with other superstars at different junctions in their career. It took LeBron going to basketball school down in Miami with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra before he was able to establish it. We had to wait to see Kevin Durant go to Oklahoma City. I mean, go leave Oklahoma City and go to Golden State with Steve Kerr and Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green before he got it. J- Jason Tatum doesn't have to do that. Jason Tatum has developed that under first-year coach Ime Adoka with the Boston Celtics. And I'll give you this. This core of players for the Celtics has been together for a long time. So there is some chemistry. There is some comfort level when it comes to speaking up. But when you look at how his play has spoke volumes about his development and his evolution, I don't think there's any denying that Jason Tatum is one of the very best players that this league has to offer. Carlin, last week when I did the show with Amber Wilson, I gave my top five players that I would take if I was drafting and trying to establish a team. And the guys that I gave her, I said Giannis, KD, Luka, Embiid, and Jason Tatum. And Amber vehemently disagreed with Jason Tatum. She was like, there's no way Jason Tatum is a top five guy if you were drafting him. There's no way you would take him. I think we're having a different conversation this week, and it's largely based on the results of this series. And we said it coming in, fella. We said that if Jason Tatum came into this series against KD and Kyrie and was able to come out of it with a win and advance to the the second round of the playoffs, we had to start having the conversation about Jason Tatum being one of the best players in the world. It's time to start turning up the volume on that combo. There's no doubt. What I love the most about what he's doing right now is it all seems very matter-of-fact to him. It, it, It doesn't feel like he's treating this like we are doing something incredibly special here. He's treating this as if we belong in every way. And this takes me back to what happened on the last day of the season. There were other teams that were concerned 
about playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. The Boston Celtics didn't care. They didn't care. They wanted all the smoke. And they have shown exactly why they didn't care. I mean, you talk about dogs. This is a team full of dogs, in my estimation right now. And Tatum is that league dog. And what I really like is that you're going to have him now go through Durant, go through Kyrie, potentially have to go through Giannis. I mean, he is, at that point, a superstar in this league, already is, and, and can take that next level. And I really feel like the Celtics now, I mean, can you call them the best team in the East? Can you call them right now the team to beat in the Eastern Conference? I, well, Carl, I don't know that I'm quite there yet, but, man, I'm damn close. Well, I'm there. And in all fairness, I've been there before the even playoffs even kicked off. Like, I, I said it coming into the playoffs. Like, the Boston Celtics are the team Preston, to beat. And, it was, and it, was, <laughs> it was really because of the way that they defended, Carl. And it wasn't because of what they brought to the table offensively, although I did think that they had a bona fide superstar in Tatum. I was impressed on what they did defensively. Since the calendar turned to 2022, they have been the very best defensive team in all of basketball. I think they finished second in defensive efficiency on the season. But since we got to this year, they have been the best defensive team, and it's because all of the guys, whether you're talking about Al Horford or Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Robert Williams, all of those guys are capable of being one-on-one defenders But then the other part that I like is with their defensive coverage, they're all connected. They're tied together. You see guys hedging the close-off driving lanes. You see guys trying to jump in the passing lanes and get steals. In game three against the Brooklyn Nets, they forced 21 turnovers and were able to generate 37 points off of those turnovers. They take it personal when it comes to stopping the other team. And that's what you need when it gets to playoff basketball because we all know that the game changes. And so that's why I thought the Boston Celtics had a really good chance to come out of the Eastern Conference. And coming into the playoffs, they had a 46% chance to win the Eastern Conference. That's all of a sudden jumped to 51%. So that's what the analytics say. By far, the team that has the best chance to come out of the East, even considering the reigning defending Milwaukee Bucks. They, they, they say that the Boston Celtics are the best team in the East. And this time, I actually agree with what the numbers say because they passed the eye test, too. The Boston Celtics are that damn good. One last part of this, too. How do you think Durant and Kyrie feel about Ime Udoka being the guy? Like, wait a second. He was our assistant last year, and we weren't smart enough to see what he's capable of, to what, what his coaching abilities could be, because we know how the assistants work in this league. Like, that's got to be a smack in the face, not realizing just how good this guy is as a coach. And you're sitting there with Steve Nash, who is, come on, guys, let's go. That's it. Well, well Carlin, here's the thing. You got to want to be coached, right? I, I mean, remember the quote where this KD was like, and Kyrie was saying, well, sometimes KD will be the coach. Sometimes Kyrie will be the coach. Clearly, Steve Nash Yoko will be the coach. the coach. We'll, we'll have a lot. Of, we'll have a lot of guys that can be the coach. We'll have a ton of guys that can coach. It, it, yo, we'll listen to all ideas. Well, how's that working out for you versus what we're seeing in Boston? And Not another great. point, Carl. And another point, Carl. And I'm going to make this because I know we're up against it. I went back to a quote: Kevin Durant in the Wall Street Journal, 2019, fall of 2019. You know what he said about Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors offense? He said, "You know." I like the motion offense, but it's only good to a point. 
once we get to the latter rounds of the playoffs, we're going to have to do something different. It's going to have to be more iso ball, me creating off the dribble, me finding ways to get my own shot. It has to be more of that in order for us to have success at the highest level. Well, so far in Brooklyn, that's all we've gotten. And what has that gotten you, KD? Averaging 22 points a game, shooting 37%. Congratulations. You played yourself. No question about it. Canty and Carlin just getting rolling on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker at Play ESPN Radio Network. We have got plenty more NBA to get to preview in this game tonight. If the Nets can stave off elimination, we'll also get to the Suns and what is going on with Phoenix right now. But up next, some NFL draft talk with one of our experts. And he believes that the steal of the draft is actually a veteran quarterback. What are we talking about? You'll find out in moments. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
Baker Mayfield can be the steal of this draft? Dan Orlovsky explains in 30 seconds. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, and now a no-frills ad brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Here it is. You can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That's it. See? It's a good old-fashioned, straightforward ad. See if you could save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE or at Progressive.com. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin joining us right now. ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky. Dan, we appreciate the time. How you doing? I am doing fantastic. Good to be with you guys. We appreciate it. And first things first, Dan, this morning I heard you make this comment And I thought it was really interesting and one that I think could have a lot of merit that you could actually end up in a situation where Baker Mayfield is the steal of this draft for a team. Explain what you mean. Well, first of all, vantage point of what you think of Baker Mayfield. Do you look at Baker Mayfield as the 2020 version two seasons ago that was top 10 in QBR and, you know, led the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs when they had a bottom 10 defense? Or do you look at him as a 2021 player that, you know, got hurt and had a very, very difficult season? The last time we saw Baker healthy was week one against Kansas City. He played phenomenal. And then 2020 season. So if we go into the NFL draft this coming weekend and your team's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the, you know, Carolina Panthers, Seattle Seahawks, Atlanta Falcons or whatever, and you are sitting there in the fifth round and maybe you have uh, drafted – you obviously haven't drafted a quarterback – and Baker Mayfield's available for a fifth-round pick, you're sitting there going, I could take this fifth-round pick, send it to Cleveland, probably pay Baker Mayfield somewhere of 8 to $10 million this year, yes, because his salary is 19 Cleveland's going to have to eat some of that. And I'm going to get a guy that two years ago threw for 27 touchdowns and eight interceptions, that four years ago was the number one pick of the draft. I mean, if you get that for the a fifth-round pick, if you get that for, Baker, for a fifth-round pick, you're looking at having the steal of the NFL draft. But, Dan, there's no question in my mind that Baker Mayfield is a top-20 quarterback, but the question that I do have is the presence in your organization in terms of him being a leader in your locker room and him being a leader in your franchise. How do you reconcile the concerns that we saw erupt at the end of last season with the player that you would ultimately be trading for? Yeah, and those are valid, Chris. Um, Those are real things, and I've mentioned that, you know, this is a little bit like the Carson Wentz from Philadelphia to Indy situation where, you know, there, there was some stuff about the off the field and um, the, the humility and the personality. And obviously that went south again in Indianapolis for Carson Wentz, and that's why they decided to move on from him. Baker does have to sit there and go, okay, I can, can I be the chip on my shoulder, walk on to Texas Tech, walk on to Oklahoma, never – kind of given the benefit of the doubt, always doubted type of player, but also not be abrasive with my personality, certainly within the locker room. I've seen and, and had conversations with guys in that locker room who love him. And I know some guys that were rubbed off by him or, 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 or rubbed the wrong way by him. So I think that, like, he's got to sit there and learn and then, again, kind of adapt. Can I be that person? And that's part of this process for teams acquiring. Can I be that you know, chip on my shoulder, ultra competitive dude, but also be a phenomenal teammate to everybody. Dan Orlowski, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us, Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, Dan, studying the quarterbacks in this draft. Is this as weak of a quarterback class as it's being made out to be? 
Yeah, I think so, uh, because we, we also have to remind everybody of the way that we look at quarterbacks really since Patrick Mahomes came in the league. You know, you are either what we do believe is a guy that you can win because of, and you are a superstar. 10, 15 years ago, is are you elite? Now it's we, we win games because of you. And, you know, Chris, just look at, like, the AFC, man. I mean, we're talking – Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson. If you don't have a quarterback, and there's no quarterback in this draft that looks like those guys, that plays like those guys, let alone Russell Wilson, let alone Matthew Stafford or Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or even a Dak Prescott. And so it's, it's difficult to find a player at that spot in this draft and, and honestly sit there and say, I think that guy's got a chance to be similar to them. Because those are 10 to 11 names that I just rattled off that are dudes. I didn't even say Kyler Murray. You know, and those are guys that are superstar talent physically um, at that spot. And, and the only person in this draft, that quarterback, that even somewhat resembles those guys to me is Malik Willis from Liberty. He's the only guy that when I watched every single, I watched every single snap from all six of these top guys. He's the only one that made me write NFL type of throw or NFL type of play more. And that, yeah, I think the class is just an average class. Dano, we touched on Baker Mayfield and him potentially being on the move this week. Another veteran player in the NFL that a lot of rumors have been swirling around is Debo Samuel and him wanting out of San Francisco. I saw you on get up this morning and you talked about how his, I guess, reluctance to play the running back position diminishes his value. Can you break down why Debo isn't as valuable if he's not lining up in the backfield to play running back? Well, I don't think he's proven to be a number one receiver. I mean, you know, before 2021, in 2020, he had 39 catches for 11 yards per catch. Mm. And then the year before, in 2019, he had 54 catches for 13 yards per catch. Good you know, good for the first two years of his career, but never great. He led the NFL this past season in, in yards on screen passes. And a lot of those screen passes were some of the slip, quick slip screens that we see that are notorious for a Kyle Shanahan offense. So if, if Debo Samuel is wanting out of San Francisco because of the way that Kyle has used him to be one of the most special weapons in the NFL, and he is saying, I don't want to be used like this, if you're an acquiring team, the Green Bay Packers, the New York Jets, the Baltimore Ravens, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I do believe that it lessens his value, that, that you're willing to give up because you're getting less of a player. What makes him special is what makes him unique. And, and the uniqueness is how many different – this to me, and, and I got into this a little bit. I, I didn't have the time to do it. Like this is, me, this is to me at Travis Kelsey going, I don't ever want to play inline tight end or Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey going, you know what, don't ever throw me the ball to back just hand it off to me. And become lesser, they become lesser players. And I think that is for a team, if you're entertaining, acquiring him or calling San Francisco, you've got to get that question answered before you ever think of giving draft compensation or a contract to him. Dylan, before we let you go, I almost feel like we have to have a little bit of an intervention. It's Dan Orlowski, ESPN NFL analyst. The food takes, Dan. This morning, I actually agree with you. You put out a take this morning on Twitter. I don't eat bagels often, but number one, best bagels are from New York City, and it's not close. All right, that's fair. Number two, cream cheese is gross and shouldn't be used on them. Toast on them, throw on some butter, have your way with it, but get this watery Play-Doh with multiple flavors out of here. 
Uh, Correct. I, I like butter on a bagel, Dan, but I now I just feel like you're out here trolling us. This this is what the food take has become for you. Your food takes have become the Carson Wentz of food takes, Dan. They're disappointing. <laughs> what a great analogy. I don't even I don't ever think my food takes had a high like Carson Wentz did. I think cream <laughs> cheese is gross. So I never have a food take that I, I know that I have a unique palate. I eat a lot of times like a very plain eight year old. Uh, but I, none of my food takes are, like, outrageous. I think cream cheese is disgusting. My kids eat it. My wife loves it. I think it's gross. I literally open up a cream cheese packet, and it starts to have, like, a watery bleeding to it. And I'm like, this stuff is disgusting. And then I taste it, and I'm like, it tastes terrible. My thing would be this. If it was that good, it's almost like my thoughts on vanilla ice cream. If it was that good, why do we have to continue to find different flavors for it? Like vanilla ice cream stinks because we, that's why we've had to constantly try to find these different ice cream flavors for it. Cause we know the original is not that good. Your rationale is well thought out. Your conclusion you. is flawed. Uh, I just, I mean, if you like, there, I, I just think the cream cheese is like, it's, it, it has very, very poor texture and taste. Butter. Oh, damn. Dan, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for popping on. <laughs> Have a good afternoon, guys. Enjoy the week. You too. Dan Orlowski, ESPN NFL analyst. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Big because fella, you can lead a horse time. to water, but you can't make him drink. And we can't take the food advice of Dan Orlowski seriously when we're talking about somebody that puts ketchup on macaroni and cheese. Oh, Stop yourself. God. I didn't uh, even I mean, know at, that. At this, point, at this point, it's only for my entertainment. I don't take it seriously. It's comical. Yeah, it really is. It's Canty yeah. and Carlin. On ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus on your smart speaker as well at Play ESPN Radio Network. Up next, boy, the Phoenix Suns have been an absolute mess in this series to even be tied at two, even without Devin Booker. But is this a real concern for them? Could they actually be in trouble against the Pelicans? We'll tell you why next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
Ugly weekend in the Bronx on Saturday in particular. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Chris, at the end of the game on Saturday, Yankee fans in the outfield began throwing empty cans and a bunch of garbage toward uh, the Guardians outfielders, specifically Miles Straw. On a play mm-hmm. earlier, one of the outfielders had run into the wall when the game tied up and fans were screaming and yelling at the player, and Straw actually climbed up the wall. And so so fans were just absolutely hammering him, and he was screaming and yelling back. And at the end of the game, they started throwing stuff at him. We got so bad to the point where Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton actually went out there to try to stop them. Yeah, and Aaron Judge, when he got back in right field, he decided, or center field, he was playing center field, he actually gave the fans a tap of his glove just to say thank you for not throwing the stuff. But it's a situation, Carlin, where it was an ugly scene, and this was antagonized by the fans. The the bleacher creatures are the bad guys in this situation, and I hate to say that because I'm a Yankees fan, and I understand it's a passionate fan base that's been frustrated in recent years, but that's what you can't do. When you start talking crap to somebody that's actually injured or somebody that runs into the wall trying to make a play, that, that's, not, that's not classy. That, that's not showing the kind of uh, sportsmanship that you would want your team to show and you would want the fan base to show. So it was a classless move by the fans. Now, I don't think that Miles Straw did himself any favors by climbing up the, 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 the wall to try to have a few words. I don't think you're going to make that situation any better. You're only going to exacerbate it and incite more rowdy behavior from the fans. But ultimately, the Yankees fans were out of bounds for this one. And, and I don't have a problem with Miles Straw coming out in the postgame and saying as much yeah. and calling it the worst fan base in baseball. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. But I can understand how he feels because he's a teammate trying to stick up for his guy. I would have preferred that he had just done that and called the Yankees fans that did that classless as opposed to trying to climb up a wall and have a few words because who knows where that could go. It could have gotten a lot worse, thank God it didn't, but it was still a very ugly scene this weekend in the Bronx. What I don't love is that the rhetoric is getting ramped up here. We saw it with Kyrie. We saw it with John Morant in Minnesota last week. We saw it this weekend, and I just fear that we're headed towards something bigger because of a lot of frustration of the last couple of years that's being taken out. People kind of feel like they can do whatever they want to do. It can get to be a very, very scary situation here. Chris Paul was taken to school by somebody that was in school a year ago at this time and wasn't (laughs) even drafted. Are you kidding me? It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. What a god-awful performance by Chris Paul and Jose Alvarado, a.k.a. Grand Theft Alvarado, as they have nicknamed him, (laughs) who went undrafted for the Pelicans and was on a two-way contract a lot of the year, just absolutely harassed the heck out of Chris Paul. He never had a shot at sometimes at even bringing the ball up the floor I couldn't get over how bad it was. And I know they don't have Devin Booker, but I I have to say, I am surprised they are still having as much trouble with the New Orleans Pelicans as they are. Well, I'm not surprised, especially without Devin Booker, Carlin, because you tell me the guy on the Phoenix Suns outside of Chris Paul that can create his own shot or create for others. I'll wait. They don't have that guy. 
I mean, Mikel Bridges is, is a spot-up shooter. Jay Crowder is more of a spot-up shooter. DeAndre Ayton, if you get the ball to him in the post, can do some things. But they don't have a guy that can create offense outside of Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And so when you have one of those guys down, that allows the opposing defense to focus a lot more of their attention on the lone shot maker and shot creator that you have in Chris Paul. And that's why this team has struggled offensively. And then you couple that with the fact that Willie Green, the head coach of the Pelicans, made the adjustment to put Jose Alvarado on Chris Paul off the top and frustrate him. And that's how you get a performance like we saw from Chris Paul where he scored only four points and no baskets in the fourth quarter. That's how you get that kind of performance. And if Chris Paul is not going to perform in crunch time the way that we saw him perform in game one and game three, then the Phoenix Suns don't have a chance to win this series. You think they're losing this series? Right now, you think they're losing this series? I think this is a seven-game series, Carlin. Now, I will say this. Phoenix went to New Orleans and did what they needed to do, which is steal back home court. But I can't ignore the fact that the best player in this series, and this is just being objective, this is not even biased, the best player in this series has been Brandon Ingram. Oh, that's not close. Can, can, can you argue that? You can't no, argue No, you cannot. That. So, so no, from I mean, that standpoint, I, I'm going to bet on the guy that's been the best player. And the other thing that folks have got to understand, you got to get rid of all of the preconceived notions that you had of this New Orleans Pelicans team. Because since they made the trade for C.J. McCollum, this has not been the same team. You now have more balance on the court when you have McCollum and Ingram out there. Ingram has more room to operate. McCollum McCollum is going to be a steady hand in terms of playmaking and scoring. And you couple that with the fact that these guys collectively play pretty solid defense. You're talking about a team that has the makings of being able to pull off one of the biggest upsets that we've seen in the last several years in the playoffs. Yeah, look, I, I don't worry about it as much from a Phoenix standpoint if they actually do get upset. Yes, it would be shocking. But the excuse is already built in. Yes. And, and they would get a pass having been a team that went to the finals last year, and people would just look at it, well, we'll be back there next year. And in the Western Conference, they will be. Will but they? I don't know. Next Hold year? Hold on, Carlin. Hold on. We next year the with a healthy Booker? Absolutely. Well, here's Absolutely. the thing. We say with a healthy Booker, but I don't know if CP3 is going to be the same version that we saw this year. Like, I got to go year to year with Chris Paul. I can't assign the level of success we've seen with him since he arrived in Phoenix in 2022-2023. Just because we don't know when that cliff is coming. If Chris Paul's and beyond dead, that, show me the body. he hasn't been able to stay healthy. If Chris Paul is dead, show me the body. That's what I want to see. Uh, honestly. He had a bad – Chris, he had a terrible game. Terrible game. You know he's going to bounce back. You know it. 